And good morning, everyone, and welcome to All Things SR Podcasts. Are we having any fun yet? I mean, <laughs> it is Saturday morning, early for some, like Ellie, coming to us from Oregon today. <laughs> oh, I'm jealous, Ellie. Good morning, everybody. Happy, happy Saturday, be it morning or afternoon or night. I know 13 hours ahead from where we are mm-hmm. is the we're in the thick of the Tokyo Olympic Games. Although 13 hours from now, I think the athletes are probably going to be sleeping. <laughs> um, so very very exciting. Yes. Um, I didn't get to see the entire opening ceremony, but I saw. Um, bits and pieces and of course I saw the very end when they had the torch arrive at the stadium it was incredibly moving like I was very emotional I get very emotional at the Olympics it's a very uh, I I treasure that I think in part because I was at Olympia in Greece and I studied the Olympics I I studied I had a class in sports and antiquity um it's just very, and it's just very, uh, a very moving experience. And the whole idea of the idealized version of the Olympics and what it represents um, in the best forms yeah, I mean, I, appeals I, to me. I actually, it can be commercialized. And I've, I've had, you know, my friends are like, oh, you know, they're all, all these athletes now are just, you know, spoiled and, you know, mm-hmm. have things handed to them. And I'm like, no, nah, it, it's some people, yes. But that's not everybody, you know. Yeah. You still have you still have people who struggle to do what they love and and make it to the games. And it's I just do. it's it's an amazing it's an amazing drama. And they they've had a tough time of it with this show. I mean, these actually were supposed to be going on last year at this time, right? And uh, of course, COVID put the kibosh on that. Now the Tokyo is like surging. Again, uh, yeah, as we uh, are it, too. Please get vaccinated, yeah. people. Please, um, they, uh, you know, I mean, there's a local reporter from Philadelphia called Keith Jones, and he's been doing some Facebook Live stuff from uh, Tokyo because he went, and I mean, he's like quarantined for two weeks. The first day he'll be able to get out into Tokyo is August first. Wow. Yeah. I mean, they they have have it set up so that you know these guys can go to studios and and do what they Report. need to do. Mm-hmm. They must wear masks, but uh, even on air, they have to wear masks uh, for the most part. But uh, you know, and then there were some that that did their fourteen day quarantine and are now out and about reporting. So anyway, but mm. yes, it was moving. I didn't. I started watching it yesterday morning live, and then uh, I got sidetracked, and, and then I uh, was watching it last night, but I sort of kind of fell asleep before the torch <laughs> came in. <laughs> well, and, and you know, I, I would like to kind of scan back, because there's always great performances. I, the pieces I saw, I did see yesterday morning when I was helping my mom um, get ready, I did see some of the Parade of Nations, um, mm-hmm. and then I saw... Last night, I saw some of the um, some of the performance. Um, I saw the 
they did a really cool thing with the pictograms. I don't know if any of you guys saw that. Uh, Japan in Tokyo in 1964, the Japanese Olympic Committee is the group that came up with the idea of having icons, uh, picture icons of the sports mm -hmm. to try and help facilitate communication, visual communication. Mm -hmm. And they had this whole, check it out on online because it was really cool. They did a whole thing of these three people who acted out each pictogram. Hmm. I don't know if you, if anyone saw it, you'll know what I mean. It was very, very interesting. They did like 50 in a minute. And yes, I, I'm reading some of the chat comments and Brenda said, yes. And all the drones, the drones probably from what I've read, I didn't see that piece of it. Um, but from what I've read, that was, you know, those to imagine and they had mm -hmm. drones like a, a, a choreographed drone performance and the drones formed a globe um, hovering over the stadium. And it was very, very cool. I saw mm -hmm. pieces of that. That was super cool. And then the Kabuki theater, um, performer at the end with the, uh, by, uh, the pianist who was unbelievable. It was just mm -hmm. very, very incredible. It was incredible. And as someone who does perform, I just, every time I see performances at that scale and that level, I am just in awe of everybody. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I see Susie joined us. Good evening, Susie. Mm -hmm. Um, thanks for, thanks for, uh, staying up or waking up, staying up. Um, I'm laughing in the chat room. Betty says, sadly, chocolate doesn't equal abs of steel. <laughs> no, Ellie what? hasn't gotten her TV set up yet since the renovation. So no Olympics or no driven, um, season two for her yet. Um, and let's talk about the driven season two. Did you guys, what did you think? I'm still up in the air about it. Yes, you. T I know Pam texted me as she was watching it. Uh, full disclosure, I have not yet seen it. I can't wait to. Um, and there was a comment online. Uh, Susie said, only just to wake here. Oh, but it's so, it, you know, Susie, I smile so hard when I see your name in the chat room. I just, yeah, it's, it's so like, good. I feel like I, we're able to reach out and hug across, you know, half the globe. And it's just remarkable. Ashley and Lori haven't watched it yet. Brenda said fire. And Susie said it was great. I, Cheryl said I, it was okay. Uh, Shell says it was excellent. So, I yeah. think uh, I, I do like, I'll be honest with you, I do like Michael work over Casey Dietrich um, if I had to make him a comparison. Mm. But I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still up in the air. I got to watch it. And uh, Charles Shaughnessy was in his brief appearance in this particular part was very good. I can't wait to see Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> I'm so I know yeah. it's Mr. Sheffield. <laughs> I know. Well, I just want to say kudos to the Passion Flicks team. Um, SR is so fond of Passion Flicks and Tosca. And um, we just want to share the love um, and congratulate them on getting this filmed and produced and edited and out because I, I mean, under the circumstances they worked under, it was, it is remarkable. Yeah. Um, and I'm just, I'm, I, I'm just so pleased uh, seeing the premiere, um, the red carpet uh, photos that came out. Mm -hmm. It just, just was great. Um, Susie says, I love Michael S. Colton. Ms. Epiphany loved it. <laughs> Cheryl um, likes Casey. Cheryl likes Casey. Yes. And Brenda yes, Col Colton did have a, I that one scene of 
the nightmare was uh, his flashback. Yes. Well, was... I'm curious of all of you in the chat room. Um, have you guys read the book? Have you read the old? Um, I just uh, I Kay Bromberg. I mean, kudos, man. She that story was so compelling. Um, Shell said it was excellent. In my opinion, very different from the first season. Brenda likes it better than season one. More chemistry. Um, and yeah, Colton had a sad upbringing. Betty hasn't seen season one yet, so I feel bad watching season two when I missed the first part. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Can't wait to see Charles, Mr. Sheffield, and Driven. <laughs> Ashley says, <laughs> Anna says, Driven is no Inferno, but it's a nice film. Well, you're dealing with, with the material you have, right? Nice. Um, so they're very, very extremely different books. Um, <laughs> they are. Said, I think we got Pam's real name, Miss Pam Fine. <laughs> oh, Mr. Sheffield, come on. <laughs> yes, uh, Fran Drescher does have a, uh, have a distinct accent. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking, Shell said she hasn't read the books. Lori has read them. Betty hasn't read them either. Um, Susie said Casey was good, but Michael is much more believable. Yeah, I, I mean that's what I'm hearing. Uh, I, I did. I thought Casey did a great job. I saw. I could see him as Colton, um, but I'm looking forward to Michael because the clips I've seen, it just, he is a little bit more of the image I pictured in my head. I think, um, just from the clips I've seen. Um, and Ashley's reading all the books, including the spinoffs. I have to say the spinoffs, some of my favorite stories are the spinoffs. I love the one with Bex. I love the one with Beckett. Well, I love them all. I, it's like choosing your favorite kids, right? You can't. I, I, Ellie's read the, the books. Susie's read them characters. a few times. Uh, yeah. There are some quite great characters there. Other, yeah. Other than that, um, <laughs> Not much else new around here. Uh, so here, here's my conundrum. Uh-oh. Yeah. We really don't have any brand new news from SR World, other than the fact that we do have the man in the black suit now available in Brazil. Which is exciting. It is very exciting. So I found out from my next-door neighbor, my new next-door neighbor who lives now in my old house, um... That we have a fox in our back. <laughs> so that's where he's been hiding. So I think that's where he's <laughs> hiding. And Mango suggested that I put out donuts and coffee and maybe... Well, the donuts and coffee are gone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I want to say a special good morning to KK. Hello, Karen. So glad you could join this morning. Hey, KK. We were just talking, we had just uh, did a little talk, a uh, chat about uh, Driven Season 2, and you'll see some of the comments in the chat room. Um, uh, Lori's saying you should be feeding him, Pam. Um, I, yes, I, well, the you fox, know. The, the I, fox in her backyard. <laughs> I have I have been putting things out, um, and they are gone, so one never knows. <laughs> <laughs> Pam was... Uh, Betty wants to know if you've kidnapped the boss. And Ellie said she could send some voodoo donuts. Well, Ellie, that might you know, I, I think you could send us some voodoo donuts because um, <laughs> I've, seen the, I've seen the voodoo donuts on the, the Food Network mm -hmm. and some of the other shows. And I, I, 
I covet them. I would love to try them. They look phenomenal. And um, Ellie, are where in Oregon are you? If, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious. Hopefully somewhere beautiful and restful and relaxing, but I think that's the entire state of Oregon. And hoping that you get to see um, Cram too. Jennifer. Yeah. 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 Um, Betty's saying, Pam, maybe you need to d play downtown and park the urban chariot outside your door. You know, well, according to my neighbor, she she told me that this fox coming around at like one or two in the morning. So I... Oh, wow. Yeah. So... I'm 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 oh. kidding I'm kidding it about being the boss, but it is out here. We do have one. We just I just found out. So and if you knew it, where I if you knew where I lived, it is an urban fox, not a woodland. Yeah, fox. that's I was gonna say that's surprising <laughs> where you are that they you know it's found its way through. Mm -hmm. um, and speaking of urban settings, Ellie is in Portland. You get to go to the big awesome bookstore in Portland, Ellie. I'm very jealous. I'm blanking on the name of it. But you know the one I'm talking about. It's like a whole city block of books. Mm -hmm. it, it's like Nirvana. Ellie said she had a grape voodoo donut yesterday. Sounds lovely and delicious. And Susie said she just read about voodoo donuts in a book she just finished. Uh -huh. She didn't know they were real. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Ashley's placing her order also, Ellie. So <laughs> we just need to travel out there. Mm -hmm. um, oh, and she's going to Mount Hood today. She was at Powell's yesterday. That's it, Powell's Bookstore. Mm -hmm. um, actually, I'm going to Google that and put that in, link in it. It's in the chat box because, guys, it's it's super cool. Um, as as you as bookstores go, um, it is. It's like a whole city block of books. Mm -hmm. You could just be there and just be entranced. That is um, true. That is true. So we talked Olympics. Yeah. And we talked about the urban living, fox and the dreams. And of course, the urban fox. Yes. So I actually thought it was pretty cool. And it's almost as if we timed it, but we really didn't. Um, that this chapter, chapter 29, um, came about as the Olympic games began, because mm -hmm. it is all about fencing. fencing. And I kind of love this whole exploration of uh, fencing and how it appeals to our character, Mr. Gabriel. Mr. Gabriel. Mm -hmm. um, and, Oh, Ellie's saying, if I could post pictures here, I would say they need to get more SR books. They only had rapture. Well, I think it also speaks to the fact that people buy SR's books. Mm -hmm. um, Ellie said they're a bit touristy. They have a bit of a touristy thing, but I like them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I just put the link in the chat box so you guys can get to check it out. Um, well, it's, Betty, it's like, is it like <laughs> that bookstore in London that SR talks about a lot? Um, I don't know if it has the same charm as that. This, mm -hmm. this is like a massive book. And, and they are a little kitschy. I mean, they do have the little touristy thing going on. I think part of it is kind of making fun of it. Mm -hmm. But um, they have all kinds of sections. 
when I visited Portland, uh, they were having an author um, discussion on the up, upper floor. So that was kind of cool to kind of stumble upon and hear a person talk about their writing. Um, Ellie said she did get five of the John Gray books, though. <laughs> and John Gray is a very special character that uh, Diana Gabaldon pulled off on, on her uh, Outlander series. I still need to read those. That's kind of on my list, but mm -hmm. I have, and I'm really detouring a little bit, and then we'll get into the chapter, I promise. Okay. I did um, have a really cool experience. Um, I do a crop share. Uh, I, I, have, I pick up vegetables every week from an organic farm, and they have delivery spots, and I know um, Karen does the same. Uh, and the delivery spot uh, where I chose to pick it up is a bookstore, and the bookstore, it, I had never, it was one I didn't really know about. And I, I stopped in the week prior and I talked to the proprietor. And of course, the first thing I said was, oh, you know, I, I said, I, you know, I love romance and I really love Sylvain Renard and I actually do podcasts. And I said, have you read any of his books? She said, oh, my gosh, of course. Can you believe he's, he had a character that was set in Sealand's Grove? <laughs> that was the first thing she said. She said, I couldn't believe there was a book that had a setting in Sealands Grove, Pennsylvania, just up the river. And we were just laughing about mm -hmm. it. Um, but they did a, she does a romance book club. She has book clubs Tuesdays and Thursdays for every genre. And the last, the fourth Thursday of the month is romance. And they were reading The Duke and I. Uh, ah, the Bridgerton, the Bridgerton. series. Mm -hmm. So I got myself a download of the Bridgerton series and had a really great discussion on Thursday night. They did, um, they had, they came together and talked about the book. It was super, super fun. Um, so it's just fun to explore and discover new things. I'm going to put that mm -hmm. link to that bookstore in too because this little um, quiet, unobtrusive bookseller actually in 2019 was the Romance Writers of America's Bookseller of the Year. Wow. <laughs> so I That's was like, very wow. cool. This little, you know, just in the middle of middle Central of, PA. Yep. Who knew? So, Pam, next time you come this way. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. It's just wonderful to find a community of people who enjoy books. And that's what I think SR's, you know, SR's community is a special subset of that, right? Because we love his writing. Mm -hmm. And it just is, I, it reinforced to me the, the beauty of this community that we're a part of. And I, it also reminded me how thankful I am for all of you guys. Because it really is wonderful to be able to get together and celebrate and share um, and have that connection of a love of characters and a love of story. Sure. So this was, it was very cool. So... Shall we turn? Um, we should. We should. I think it's, uh, it, you know, fencing. We are. And we actually start at the Boston Fencing Club. Mm -hmm. And as you recall, Gabriel and Julia, the chapter prior, were really trying to work out <clears throat> what exactly they were going to do. And, uh, Julia had made it clear that she wanted to very strategically pull back and kind of assess what our best next steps are and also let uh, Cecilia cool off a little bit instead of going straight forward and um, trampling 
<laughs> as uh, Gabriel wanted to do. Gabriel wanted to just address Cecilia directly and then go to above her head. And uh, Julia's like, no, no, I don't, I don't want to do that. And mm -hmm. this really is Julia's choice. This is her career, right, guys? Right. So Gabriel's frustrated at the beginning of Chapter 29. He received a tech text from Jack saying that he investigated Simon and Natalie and there was nothing. So unbeknownst to Julia guys, Gabriel had um, asked Jack to check on, uh, check up on the uh, illustrious duo who did so much damage and hurt Julia so terribly. So he, you know, on top of being frustrated about the situation with Cecilia this text is setting him off as well because Jack said there was nothing on Simon and Natalie and Jack's messages were always short and sweet. <laughs> a man that gets to the point is always good. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> exactly. So Jack's, uh, you know, message was kind of resounding in Gabriel's head and Gabriel thrust his saber as he was warming up before facing his opponent. So he's mulling over this. He just saw this text. Um, and he didn't mention that black Nissan yet to Julia. And then he was like, well, and this is Gabriel at the height of rationalization <laughs> and, uh, making him feel a little better. He said, well, it's good. I didn't bother her. Right. Because, um, she had weightier things on her mind and he didn't tell her anything because he didn't know anything yet. And Jack found out nothing. So mm. he's, you know, mulling that over and, you know, she was just thinking he's, his thoughts turned again to the discussion that Julian, he had. And Julia was so adamant that he not speak to Cecilia. And he realized even though he could have ignored her wishes, he would not do so. And because he would not do so, that made him feel impotent, which was a very unfamiliar sensation to him, which I laughed when I read that line because mm -hmm. I thought that's so true of our, our pretentious professor. Oh, if, he, if the um, professor had his way, he would have uh, mowed down taken Cecilia that saber. and <laughs> gone he would, have taken that, he would have taken that saber right to her. Right. Um, so... Uh, that's why he ended up at his fencing club. He was frustrated. And Michelle, his coach and fencing partner, was an older gentleman from Montreal, a former Olympian, as well as a formidable, formidable opponent. And Gabriel admired him. And Gabriel used a saber because he liked this over the epée or the foil. And it was the fastest of the three events. And I did, like I said, when I was watching the Olympic opening ceremony and they were showing the thing you know, they showed clips of fencing mm -hmm. and I just smiled. I was like, I can't believe we're talking about fencing and it's the Olympic games and we can watch the, we can watch them perform and we can watch them duel. So, and who knew? Um, exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Now Betty <laughs> made, made, Betty makes an obvious point, which I think I brought up to you in a text message last night. <laughs> yes, you did. <laughs> Is it me or did the boss write himself in this scene as the fencing coach? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. How many of you guys thought that? We're like, is this a little bit of an SR cameo? 
Uh, yeah, I was kind of wondering that myself. <laughs> I mean, even, you know, like if you look at it in Gabriel's Inferno, I remember we were, he was had a watch party on Facebook when it first came out. And he was, you know, they're in Gabriel's room and he goes, oh, and there's the fencing outfit. <laughs> he knew it. <laughs> so one never knows, does one. Wouldn't have been funny if it was his fencing outfit that he loaned them. <laughs> anyway, uh-huh. so the character of Michelle, uh, I think, is an interesting one. And I love the fact that Gabriel had such admiration for him. Mm-hmm. And I also like this little uh, kind of a little um, view into Gabriel's thinking and his soul because he was kind of ex- he kind of explained the sport, but he also explained why he liked other certain events over the other and he really liked the saber it was the fastest of the three events you can see he mm-hmm. especially when he's frustrated because he can't act he wants something that is really deep into action it was a heavier weapon and the slashing of a saber was quite satisfying he longed for the days when he could have challenged a duel to julianne's enemies <laughs> the two men and and I, you can see that too right i thought oh, that yeah. was great and actually after having just read that scene in Bridgerton, um, you know, I was like reading about duels all week. Um, it just, it was kind of a special thing. And, and Lori had said in the chat room, um, I asked SR in a Facebook chat if he fenced, I can't remember exactly what he said, but implied that he had. Yeah. I thought he had too. That was actually one of my questions to him. Um, and Anna said, Gabriel analyzes the situation and takes control and fixes the problem, which is completely true. Um, mm-hmm. And Ashley also agrees with uh, Betty's intuition about writing mm-hmm. uh, Michelle uh, being a little bit of a SR cameo. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> Betty says, I like anyone who can kick Gabriel's ass. I'm a bad fan. <laughs> And Susie says, naughty Betty. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Very true, very true. So, you know, they're preparing, um, and as as he mused about having, being able to challenge and duel Julian's enemies, uh, they're getting ready. The two men put their helmets on and saluted each other. A club member acted as a referee and shouted, en garde, pray, allez, Um, which is on guard, ready, go. So Michelle attacked right away and Gabriel parried, which was deflected and continuing into a repost. Is it repost? I think so. Which is a response. My, my French is not that good. Where, where's Miss Kensikins when we need French? I know. I know. Um, so Michelle parried and touched Gabriel's shoulder, scoring a point and they retreated to the end guard line. So I liked how he was kind of, uh, he was kind of describing the scene and yes, Ellie, I hope you can watch some Olympics too. Yeah. Cause it's so much fun. And I loved all the emojis she put in there for the sports. And to see. they have surfing this year. I know, which is really cool. And I don't know if you got, anyone knows the answer to this. Cause my friend Dawn meant asked last night, where are they surfing in Japan, because she her understanding was there wasn't a huge um, amount of uh, 
amount of, of surf, but I'm, I'm sure there are. And I thought maybe some of the islands around there, I don't know, Susie, that's a little more on your side of the world. You may have, you may have some insight into it. Um, and I was also saying, I'm wondering if sometimes they have a, the surf pools that they've created. Yeah, but they, so that, that wouldn't, a surf pool wouldn't be good for a surfing competition. They're fun to yeah. practice surfing on. Um, but not for the thing. Not for the real thing. Not for the real yeah. deal. Surfing in Japan, I'm looking for. Yes, so yes. Let's well, see well, what we can find. I'm just curious. And, and Susie is saying regarding the Olympics, I love watching the swimming. I do too. And man, the Aussies always have an awesome swim team. I'm always in awe. They actually uh, do have a very good surfing area in Japan. Ah, I knew they had to. I was thinking they would. And, um, and according to Surfer Today, one of my favorite publications in my early youth, mm-hmm. <laughs> it, uh, it's, it, it's compromised of like 7,000 islands where they could do all this kind of stuff. So I, I was saying, I said, I'm sure one of the islands, um, it is an island nation after mm-hmm. all. I'm sure somewhere has a really good surfing area. That's awesome. I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. I just, I, my, my cousin's husband is a surfer and I just, I'm in awe. I, I've always wanted to learn. I never did. Um, I'd have to really get in good shape to be able to try it now because you need a lot of core strength and upper body strength. So, well, one of the good uh, places is the Hope. I, I can't, I'm, I can't pronounce Japanese too well. I'll try Hokkaido. Uh-huh. Which is like up towards the north. So that's cool. That's super cool. So So, so the referee shouted, Oh God. <laughs> and uh so they, they you know and one of the neat things about uh fencing nowadays is they have these uh outfits now that are conductive and, and they're connected to like electrodes or something. So mm-hmm. when, when you hit the person at a certain point, it'll tell you that it's a hit. Now, the thing is, is that the referee is the one who has to say whether it's a point, who's getting the actual point. Right. So, um, yeah. And then uh, the other thing is that they, these suits aren't very constrictive so that the cords that they have that when it connected, that don't get in the way when they're actually doing any of the fencing. Uh, but one of the things that Gabriel knew is that he could work out his he, well, he could work out his anger on a heavy boxing bag in a gym. This would force him to concentrate and stay calm. The fencing would, so, which he needed right now. Absolutely. So Michelle was a very gifted. He's very gifted at circular repulses, and he capitalized on any and all weaknesses and. Gabriel being younger and faster. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, this guy is a retired uh, Olympian. Olympian. Yes. Um, But there is something to be said for having a little more speed at that, you know. So in this. He had uh, deflected his aggravation and fought back and he hit Michelle on the on the helmet and it was a valid point. But they battled back and forth with uh, Michelle scoring was going up and Gabriel was slowly catching up, <laughs> you know, and I, I, I'm laughing because Betty just said Michelle is a badass. 
<laughs> yes, he is. So, you know, and, you know, you've got the swords going and you're going around in circles and a, and a good, good sword fight or saber fight in this case. Um, so they both got really pretty hot and sweaty. And there were no purple towels to wipe off all the sweat. Sorry. <laughs> I be I I I I volunteer. I'd be happy to uh, be their towel, their toweler. <laughs> <laughs> but when Michelle hit fifteen points, the bout was over. So he knew that Ga Michelle knew that Gabriel's mind was in another place, and he scolded Gabriel in French, and Gabriel couldn't deny it. Uh, so he suggested a short break and pointed to the chairs and walked off to talk with someone else. And as, you know, Gable goes and he sits down, he takes his, the, the hood off and, he, you know, he's wiping down his face without the pink towel or purple towel. Um, drinking from his water bottle, he's thinking, you know, Julianne was his sun and his moon. And he knew that challenging Cecilia's uh, mind would be difficult. And uh, while Julia seemed to take Gable, or Cecilia seemed to take uh, Gable's success, with the sage lectors as an affront to her career, uh, you know, she gave her wanted to call her bluff and uh, right, just right. And I, I'm I'm just seeing that. Um, I'm sorry, I. I, I just I, I misread the comment, but Betty's wondering if Gabriel insisted on training only with Michelle, or if they became partners just by chance. That is That's a, a good great question. question. That is a good question. We'll we'll send that into another post with SR and find out. But um, you know, I I can imagine that uh, Gabriel was only going to be looking for the best mm -hmm. wherever he went. Um. So so as you know, Gabriel wanted to Julia to stand up for herself. You know, calling her bluff, but she wanted to regroup and. And Gabriel was not not one for waiting. Uh, even after his experience at St. Francis's Crypt, he was a fighter, and he, he'd be damned if he would even spend one week in Scotland without Julianne and Claire, partly because of some damn academic's hurt pride. <laughs> I, he wouldn't know anything about pride, would he? <laughs> not at all. Gabriel, no pride? <laughs> the thing is, though, I mean... That I, I thought, you know, the paragraph written after Michelle pretty much, you know, scolded him saying, hey, man, get your head in the game. You're you're so distracted right now. Um, speaking of distractions, a lovely halftime show. Yes. Um, not quite as elaborate as the opening ceremonies of the Olympic Games, no. but brought to you for your Christmas in July enjoyment. Um, <laughs> hope you've had fun watching for those in the States or who can access the Hallmark Channel. Um, all these Christmas movies they're putting out. It's, it's super fun. Mm -hmm. um, I'm laughing. Someone to challenge him and teach him, Brenda said, uh, in terms of uh, with having Michelle. And Anna saying, Gabriel has high expectations for himself and surrounds himself with like people. And I think that's very true. Mm -hmm. And I also think that goes, that feeds into this um, thing with Cecilia because she is a, she is a high performer. Obviously she's the chair at mm -hmm. Harvard. Mm -hmm. um, I also think he had high expectations of her as a person and, and not as being someone who would not be affected by pride, 
who would have been a supportive colleague, not someone who is going to really do something that that hurts and endangers his family. And I think this all comes down. I think I've said this before, but Gabriel's promise, the promise and the promises that he's made to his family is woven into almost every chapter. Yeah. And this is this is where he's reflecting. You know, he's reflecting on this promise, you know. He's not going to be in Scotland without Julian and Claire. He's just not going to do it. They are going to find a way because that he promised that he would be with her always, yeah. and that he'd care for her and that they would be together. And he wasn't going to give that up. So Brenda, very true. She said, jealousy and envy clouds the mind. And yep. it, it does. It really does. And I, you know, I, I said this before when the whole Cecilia scene happened, I just expected more from her. And, um, <laughs> better Michelle than Anne, Ellie said. That's true. <laughs> yes. That is very Wave true. your fencing swords in the air like you just don't, just don't care, care, Betty said. And, um, yeah, so true. And ha- Betty says, how does it feel to be on the other side of the grass, Gabriel? Does this sound familiar? <laughs> cough, cough, inferno. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. Betty, your love of Gabriel just astounds me. So, you know, Gabriel's musing this and Michelle came over and kicked his foot. He goes, let's go. And this time, focus. He said, my grandmother could best you and she died 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> so I love the I love the trash talking Michelle. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty fun, especially mm-hmm. that he's you know he was bringing his dead grandmother into the mix. Um, I just thought that was kind of uh, well, you know, he knew it's... he knows how to push Gabriel's buttons, and I think that was just so beautifully illustrated in that line. Um, mm-hmm. Betty said, "Ooh." Betty, I have your voice in my head as, as you wrote that. I can hear you saying, ooh. <laughs> um, so he, Gabriel looked up after Michelle said that and looked at him as if that would freeze water. He gave him such a stare. And boy, I would love to see that on screen because I know Julio would bring that look. He um, could, yep. He, he can really, he can bring, he can bring an evil uh dark look and I think that would be great um Michelle is ready for a second match Betty said and Brenda said that's right pushing his buttons to get his ass on track and that's what that's exactly what he did and that's one of the reasons why I think Gabriel chose Michelle to be his his partner his fencing partner because he could get that yeah, exactly. And I love the closing line, uh, the lines of this chapter. Michelle was amused. Good afternoon, Gabriel. I was waiting for you to show up. <laughs> <laughs> he laughed and got the referee with Gabriel breathing, breathing fire behind him. Goes with so. the dragon on his chest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just thought, I, you know, it was a nice, I think it was a really a nice segue and it, it was a nice, um, it was a great way to show another side of Gabriel's character. It showed, first of all, it showed how, how distracted he was and how angry he was and feeling this feeling of helplessness that he couldn't do anything, his impotence um, in the situation because Julianne doesn't want him to. Mm-hmm. Also, you had that side, that underlying um, backstory about this black Nissan that no, that he was bothering him and Simon um, in the background as well. 
so I just thought it was a really interesting way to develop the character and also um, show a little bit about um, how the how his character and fencing fit. Um, mm-hmm. I, I just I thought it was really a, a kind of a cool way to do it. And Betty's saying, I bet Michelle's grandma was smiling all the way from heaven with her fencing clothes and sword. Now the big question, did Michelle kick Gabriel's ass again or did Gabriel win the second match? My money is on Michelle. And Brenda said, he is human. At the end of the day, it shows his vulnerability, Absolutely. which is true. Absolutely. And um, and Betty would be- love to see Paul and Gabriel in a fencing duel. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> I'm sure that Gabriel mm-hmm. would, be, would be most obliged to do it. <laughs> and yeah, Ellie said know, fencing you- is a great healthy outlet for him instead of drugs or alcohol. That's very true. Which, and I think that had been referenced as well in the earlier books. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of the reasons why he had been there. And then, of course, he found Anne and was doing other um, explorations of how to deal with his um, his demons. Mm-hmm. And that didn't go very well. No, it didn't. Um, Not everybody But fencing did. And uh, we did a little research on fencing. Pam, do you want to share a little bit of well, uh, what we found out? What I found out is, you know, swords, as I like to pretend to say, um, <laughs> they date back and, and, you know, you know, using swords uh, goes way back, even into the uh, prehistoric times. And in ancient civilizations, if you've ever seen any of the old Roman gladiator movies they always have the big heavy swords i think russell crowe had one in uh, gladiator that kind of thing but it kind of started to change uh uh it, in in time the english style of fighting used a sword with a buckler which is like a small shield yes uh, to... although i'm sorry pam i'm still stuck on russell crowe and gladiator let me just have a moment may i yeah of course you can <sighs> um Susie's saying the sound keeps dropping out, and I, I'm, I, and, and there was a reason why I kind of did our little hold on that. I'm showing that we're off air, but people can still hear us. So, no, I, we're, just, we're, I don't know. I, I have us on air. Yeah, that's so weird. I don't know why. As long as you guys can hear us, we're good. Yeah, I'm still <laughs> recording, so that's. Yeah, that's so awesome. Um, Another but, one of my technical snafus. We all have them. <laughs> I have one right now trying to update my map. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, so we started with that, and then the uh, English in the Middle Ages, nobility uh, was using different types of swords. They were using more of a saber type, more of an epi, um, as well as the uh, heavier uh, sword. The Italian, mm-hmm. the Italians discovered. The effectiveness of the uh, dexterous use of point rather than edge of the sword. So ah, that's where you sort of get into the the thinner kind of right and tapping, and that sword. makes yeah. sense. Where they, you know, now they do with the electronic suit and they do the points right. Uh, where they get different points for having touching a, different parts of touching. the body. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, they they used the rapier, and it was nimble, and you know, it, it, and now in current times, it's like one of the easier, or not easier, but one of the more used uh, pieces of equipment uh, that is used. Uh, but the uh, then in the 17th century, 
it again dramatically changes with uh, people's and how they dress. Uh, the, in Louis the Fourteenth, he had silk stockings, breeches, a broad coat, and instead of a doublet, he had, or he had a doublet top, uh, boots and cloaks. But ah. he was also wearing the uh, sword for fighting uh, for the academic, from academic forms. And a lot of the times, I mean, you know, they were a weapon. It wasn't until you actually got into fencing for as a sport as opposed to uh, a, def a way of defense. So, you know, it was used as a weapon. Um, and when it becoming more of a sport, uh, they started using foil, which is the practice sword. And that would have like a ball or, or something at the end of it so that it could not pierce your body. Um, they also started using the mask at that point. Ah, so that's when that came into play. Right. And, uh, it's, uh, it, it, you know, it enhanced the safety and it was designed by the fencing master, La Bossier, and a celebrated duelist, Joseph Colonne, uh, uh, Chevalier uh, de Saint-Georges. Ah. Uh-huh. So that you know, it Very... gets, yeah, and then it gets into the, like the different types of weapons that they used um, and designs. The hit must be made with points of the weapon or only valid only if they land on the lame, which is the um, the suit that you wear that covers your arms and legs and mm -hmm. uh, looks like a high cut bathing suit, except you you're not wearing it obviously in a bathing <laughs> suit, um, and. Uh, or if it touches the non-conductive jacket or knickers, the hit is off target and it's not counted. And uh, one fen one of the fencers has scored on a target hit. The opponent has 300 milliseconds to also hit before being knocked out of the scoring box. And and they you know oh they've got gosh. they have a whole like it's a, it's like a whole design of a court that you have for the young guard circle and how they're all doing all that kind of stuff. It's it's uh, it's fascinating to me. I'm totally gonna watch. I, how many of you guys are gonna watch some of the fencing just because of this scene? I usually watch fencing anyway. I think it's interesting. Mm -hmm. I don't know anything about it. I've I've learned a lot from this chapter and preparing for this. But um, yeah. It's, well, you it's, know, the neat thing is one of the things that I've always loved in the movies are the swashbucklers. Yes. Or, or yes. as I always teasingly refer to them as buckling swashes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and there were some great movies. I mean, uh, there was the Three Musketeers, and there are uh, um, multiple Three Musketeer movies, uh, one in the 20s. The most recent one, I think, was it, uh, or one of the ones that I liked in particular was the 70s, with Richard <laughs> Chamberlain. Oh, yeah. As D'Artagnan. No, I'm sorry, Michael <laughs> York was D'Artagnan. Um, but, uh, you know, and The Adventures of Robin Hood. I mean, come on. Oh, Earl, yeah, that's classic. Earl Flynn running around in tights in the trees yeah, with his sword. And there's this one scene in the castle where they're knocking things over. That mm -hmm. was really good. Jumping around. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the choreography mm -hmm. involved with those fight scenes and a lot is of impressive. Them, yeah. um, they, they also, uh, you know, the Seahawk, the Adventures of Don Juan, uh, Tyrone mm -hmm. Paro, Power when he did the yep. Mark of Zorro. I mean... Who else can can you ever forget the Z that 
That's Tom right. Howard did, or the T- Disney TV show years ago, or Antonio Banderas. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, please. So the, there, a lot of, there were a few um, fencing masters that started working with um, uh, uh, with, uh, with uh, Hollywood at the time that uh, guy, guys by the name of Fred Cravens, Ralph Faulkner, Gene Hermans, and mm. they brought in to, they brought the choreography in for Serrano de Bergerac, uh, Scaramouche, which was a remake of The Prisoner of Zenda, also a great movie. Oh yeah, uh, and I love uh, the, I love these classic films. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we have Richard Lester's versions of the uh, the Three Musketeers in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Three Musketeers and the Four Musketeers. Uh, Ridley Scott, the Duelist, Highlander. They had them. With, from eighty five, the movie, not the series, with right. Sean Connery. And uh, <laughs> the Princess Bride. I mean, yeah, now coming into into our generation. My, uh, the... my, my name is Indigo Montoya, whatever <laughs> that line is. Um, also, the Lord <laughs> of the Rings. Exactly. The Lord of the Rings it was brought in for Pirates of the Caribbean, and of course the for, most popular. Was uh, Johnny, uh, which was Star Wars, which is a form of Japanese fencing with, with a kendo, uh, and they were using the lightsabers as their swords, which is always were so yeah. I loved all those movies; they were so good, and mm-hmm. I, I was laughing in the chat room. Um, well, first of all, in terms of I, uh, I was laughing because there was a discussion. Um, Betty posed the question if William and Gabriel to duel each other, um, who would win? And Susie says, uh, um, I have a feeling Willie would come out on top. And uh, I hope you, I hope all goes well. Susie noted that she's having stormy weather. So um, that's why her sound was coming in and out a little bit. Um, and I know Cheryl just lost sound. So I hope that she comes back with that. Um, Lori thinks Willie would be so good at fencing, and Betty thinks so too. He has more experience with a sword, and Susie noted more experience and more stamina. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I laughed too. Um, Brenda actually saw some of the fencing because they did have fencing on last night, and Italy won, which I think uh, Gabriel would approve, mm-hmm. um, being a fan of Italian uh, things and. Betty says she thinks fencing has now become the unofficial sport of the podcast. <laughs> and Lori's definitely planning to watch. So <laughs> I, I, had a, I had a classmate in middle school that used to do a lot of fencing, competitive fencing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. And that, that's, you know, aside from the normal movie stuff, because I've always been a fan of swashbuckling movies. Captain Blood being one of my favorites is an early... Earl Flynn, I think it was his first film that he ever did. Um, oh, there's some good ones. There's some good yeah. ones. I I I love all of that. those. Errol Flynn are just so classic, and um, yeah, you you pulled some really good examples um, of of really uh, kind of some of those classic highlights, which reinforces um, kind of the role of the play of the blade, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and Cheryl, happy early birthday. Absolutely. Cheryl says, wishing everyone a blessed week. She will be 54 on Tuesday, the 27th, three days from now. She's blessed to be alive, and though I lost my job and in a bad situation, I have a lot to be thankful for. Well, Cheryl, I'm sorry about the job, and I'm sorry you're going through some tough times, but you know we are here for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're so happy you've been able to come and join uh, the podcast every week. It's been great having you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, we're here. We are here to support you, and happy early birthday. And hopefully Hoping you're, you're going to... Have It'll a better turn year. around for you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Always. And as Lori noted, I'm so sorry, Cheryl. We will celebrate you on Tuesday. Absolutely. Which is really, really great. And that's, an, again, you know, I said earlier, that book club that I went to. Um, oh, and I realized I didn't put the link in there. I'll do that now. Um, it just reinforced what a beautiful way books and literature and in our case you know the writing of SR mm-hmm. brings people together and it's it's such a joy to have people um, that you can chat with books about I mean Susie's on today and I always call Susie my book whisperer because I, I've gotten so many good book suggestions from her over the years mm-hmm. and she's such a prolific reader I, I, I can never aspire to read that much um, I can't even aspire but, to put everything I'm reading in Goodreads, <laughs> let alone. I, I know. Well, that's a whole other thing. But, yeah, it's just we're lucky to have you guys. Yeah. So we want to wish you a very good week. Uh, enjoy the Olympics if you get to see any fencing. So that would be great. It's not one of those sports that's going to be shown a lot, I don't think. But it's it's a it's interesting to watch. I'm looking forward to the swimmers. And Ellie noted earlier that she was she and her husband have all been into water sports. My husband was a champion swimmer in college. He was an alternate in the 1968 Olympics for swimming. Oh. And the guy who won the gold medal that year, I think his name was Don Sutton. I may not get I've gotten the last name right. He even beat in a race only because they were using a different type of pool. I think pools are measured in meters now, and the one that they he was racing in was a, was measured in feet. So, oh wow! Yeah, so that was that was fun. You know that that was his biggest one of one of his biggest pride and joy moments was to be able to say I was an I was a, a alternate in the '68 Olympics. Which is amazing. And and earlier in the chat, we didn't get to, to read all the comments today. Everyone was talking about their favorite sports. And water sports were very, very popular. And I think Anna, was it Anna, who said they all make it look so easy and effortless. I know. And it's incredible. Um, it really is incredible. Um, so neat. And it's so cool to have that connection. I know uh, the news organizations always try and highlight and profile people in the region that are close by that are mm-hmm. in the Olympics. Um, if, if they're in, nearby and I, I know we have in our region in South central Pennsylvania, uh, one of the guys on the U S volleyball team, men's volleyball team, mm-hmm. um, is from Chambersburg, which is not far from here. Mm-hmm. There's a young lady from, I think Lancaster or York County who is competing in swimming. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I, is, there was another is the guy from Hershey who plays? I think he plays in professional Chelsea, hockey. Yeah, in soccer, he plays uh, uh, in England on the um, in the Premier League. Yes, he was like the first U.S. player to yeah, get to play in that elite year? league. I do not know. You would think I would know that. Um, we, we I have... thought I read he was on the team. I thought I read he was. I will I will bring you that news next week. That'll be and, my homework. And Carly Lloyd, which is a local from here, this side of the of my side of the state, she's playing women's soccer. She'll be the oldest uh, soccer player on the team. I think that's amazing too. Those considering athletes, she's so young. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, their level of com- competition is just unbelievable. Let's, let's not forget. I uh, the I think she's from Romania. She's forty six, competing in gymnastics. Ooh. And she is the oldest woman competing. Oh, that's I can't wait to see that. Mm-hmm. I love stories mm-hmm. of of the athletes who do. And Susie, thank you. Um, she's saying um, in Australia they're in a hard lockdown at the moment. So I've been spending the day sitting by the fire reading. I'm currently nice. reading the follow up book to Archer's Voice called Travis. One to read if you've loved Archer's voice. And I have not read Archer's voice yet, so I'm adding that to my list. Susie, mm-hmm. you never disappoint. Thank you so much. Um, and Lori, Lori also said she hadn't heard of it, so thank you. Um, and Betty said, I will definitely try to watch Olympic Games and cheer for anyone whose name is Paul, Gabriel, <laughs> William, or Nicholas. <laughs> and I think that's a beautiful segue as we end uh, today's session. Um, we have a very special podcast again next week. Yes, we do. So get your Speaking drinking. of Nicholas. We have Nicholas's <laughs> birthday coming up. August 7th. Mm-hmm. Our beloved leading man from the man in the black suit. Um, just as the Brazilian readers can read uh, that book and uh, buy it in Brazil. They also will be able to celebrate. And I can tell you, the Brazilians I know, know how to party. Honey. They do. And we'll also <laughs> get your drinking hats together because next week we are celebrating International Actually, Scotch Day. Yes, I'm sorry. August 7th is Nicholas's birthday. We have International Scotch Day before that. Absolutely. So next week on the 30th, 31st, we are celebrating... Because what is, you know, what is all things SR if we can't without talk having about a little scotch. nod about Scotch from Mr. Lefroig himself? Mm-hmm. So, yes, next week, all about Scotch. I mean, all about SR. And mm-hmm. uh, then the following week, Nicholas's birthday celebration. Just keep so. it hidden from Snarky. <laughs> yeah, Snarky might get a little wild with that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! Although I feel Snarky's more of a tequila drinker no, for he's, some reason. He steals Gabriel Scotch all the time from from uh, what I've heard. This is true. He might have his own stockpile. So, yep. Later, Zelly. All the best. Have a uh, enjoy you your well. vacation, and when you see Jen next week, give her tell her hi for us all. Yes, give her big hugs from us. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoy and Susie thank you so much for being up so late and uh, joining us it's, it's always a pleasure when we can see your comments in the chat room uh, 
and everybody else as well. It's so great that you can join us on this Saturday, um, taking a little time. <laughs> Absolutely. And Cheryl, enjoy your birthday. And uh, yes, have a great time. Birthday blessings. Yeah, birthday absolutely. blessings. And Ellie, yeah, Ellie says, Happy birthday, Cheryl. I'm still celebrating my birthday. And my <laughs> mom, mother in law, and stepdad are all next week on the second and eighth, 80, 85, and 85. Wow. wow. That's wow. great. That's great. Wonderful. Take care, everybody. And sweet dreams, Susie, as Lori said. <laughs> yes. Have a, good, have a good rest and a good brekkie tomorrow. So yes. I'm going to leave you with a little Rolling Stones. And can't you hear me knocking? So everybody have a good week. Take care. Thank you.